Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Make the most of your holidays by celebrating Christmas at Biltmore. Enjoy a breathtaking tour of America's largest home, filled with shimmering Christmas trees and adorned in all its yuletide glory. Then, don't miss your last chance to experience our immersive digital art exhibit, Italian Renaissance Alive, during its final weeks. Visit now and enjoy a second day free. Learn more at Biltmore.com. you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes. Best of all king-size cigarettes brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A small boy is reported missing from his home. His age, nine years. Foul play is suspected. Your job, find him. See the difference. Taste the difference. Smoke the difference. You'll find that in Fatima, the difference is quality. Quality that gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. Yes, in king-size Fatima, you get all the advantages of extra length plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. Fatima. Best of all king-size cigarettes. Definitely the best quality in its class, but the same price as the cigarette you're now smoking. Remember, thousands of Americans are switching to Fatima, insisting on Fatima quality. So compare Fatima yourself. When you see the difference, taste the difference, smoke the difference, you'll switch to Fatima. Because in Fatima, the difference is quality. Look for the bright, sunny yellow pack. By Fatima. Best of all king-size cigarettes. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, December 22nd. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way into work, and it was 3.55 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hi, Joe. Ben? Well, here's the file on the Webster case. And brought the file up for me? Yeah. I get it. Homicide Friday. This Levinson unit, 113J. Got something for you. Yeah, Harry, what's doing? Uh, Doherty and I are out here on Commerce Avenue, 4656, trying to track down a nine-year-old boy. Yeah, what's the story? The kid's missing, suspicion of foul play. Well, how long's he been gone? About two hours. 
Looks like a job for homicide. Well, how do you figure? The kid was last seen playing in the backyard of his home. Yeah? We checked over the yard. Did you find anything? Bloodstains, lots of them. They look new. Ben and I left a message for Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. And then we went over to the crime lab, picked up Lieutenant Lee Jones, and drove out the Arroyo Seco Freeway to Collis Avenue. It was an average neighborhood. Number 4656 was a one-story green stucco residence situated on the corner of Collis Avenue and Harrison Drive. Beyond the backyard was a tract of undeveloped land covered with scrub oak. Harry Levinson from Highland Park Juvenile was waiting for us in front of the house. Back this way, fellas. Come on, Link. They like it in my bag. Uh, who notified you that the boy was missing, Harry? The mother said she went out to do some Christmas shopping about 11 this morning and left the boy home. Mm-hmm. She came back about 2 this afternoon. He was gone. What's the name? Johnstone. The kid's name is Stanley. Nine years old. Mm-hmm. Was this gate open like this when you got here? Yeah, I haven't touched the thing. Uh, I hear the stains over here, Lieutenant Jones, along the edge of the walk. See? Yeah. Let me see. Quite a few stains, huh? Yeah. Looks like it might be blood. Try some benzidine on them. There we are. See what happened. Where's the kid's mother now, Harry? In the house. Doherty's talking to her. Did you talk to any of the neighbors? People next door are the ones on this side. They couldn't tell us anything. There it is, fellas. Yelly. These spots I covered with benzidine, they're turning blue. Bloodstains, all right. You can't say definitely whether it's human or animal blood. Mm-hmm. Do you have to go back to the lab to run it through? Yeah, a biological precipitant test. Hand me one of those glass files for my bike, will you? Yeah, sure. Okay, here you go. Thanks. Scrape some flakes off the test. How soon can you tap the blood for us, Lee? Precipitant test won't run more than 20 minutes. It'll take three or four hours to run a blood grouping, though. That's it. Anything else you want to check? Levinson? Anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, right here in my handkerchief. Empty shell. That marker over there by the rosebush? That's where I found it. From a 22, huh? Yeah. Might tie in, might not. Mark it and dump it in this envelope, is it? Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Did you get a missing broadcast on the boy here? Uh, Doherty did about a half an hour ago. Here's a description here. Thank you. Will mother know about the bloodstains? No, we didn't tell her. She's worried enough already. And she has no idea what might have happened to her boy, huh? No more than we do. She checked all her friends and relatives. We're covering the neighborhood. No trace so far. Not much to go on. Bloodstains. Empty cartridge. Yeah, it could mean a hundred things. Any ideas, Frank? Just one, and I don't like it. Four thirty p.m. Thursday, December twenty-second. The neighborhood search for nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone continued. Lee Jones went back to the crime lab to start the precipitant test and the blood grouping. Levinson and his partner Doherty from Highland Juvenile stood by. We called Chief of Detectives Thad Brown, and he ordered up a special detail to aid in the search for the missing boy. Ben and I questioned the boy's mother, Mrs. Ruth Johnstone, a woman in her early 40s. She seemed fairly calm under the circumstances. Miss Johnson, is your boy standing in the habit of wandering off without telling you where he's going? No, he's not in the habit of wandering off, but he has done it before. Well, when was the last time, Miss Johnstone? You don't have any children, do you, Sergeant Friday? No, ma'am, I'm not married. 
Well, there comes a time in every young boy's life when he feels that it's time to leave home, go out on his own. Usually happens somewhere around 8 to 10. I think I know what you mean. I have a boy. Well, then you know how it is. My husband and I scolded Stanley one afternoon after school, and he was quite put out about it. Thought George and I were unfair. Packed a few of his things and left. Well, how long was he gone? Oh, no time at all, about two hours. I was worried about him, but my husband said to leave him alone, that every boy had to go through that stage. Mm-hmm. Well, then you think that he's run away from home again this time? Yes, I think so. He's been gone about four hours now, and I have a funny feeling about it. Did you and his father have some misunderstanding with the boy recently? Well, that's just it. We haven't. I don't mind telling you that now that we're talking about it, I, I am getting worried. Well, is there any place around that he might like to visit, a hobby shop, playground, someplace he might be? Yes, there's Jensen's model shop, Little Shannon Burroughs, but I've already called there and he hasn't been seen all day. I've called all his friends and they have no idea where he is either. Well, we'd like a list of all of his friends and the places that he was known to frequent. Yes, all right, I'll give them to you. Where do you suppose he is? Where's your husband now, Miss Johnson? At work. George works for the city. He's a fireman. What house is he stationed at? Engine Company 12. He's working with a platoon. He'll be home tomorrow morning. I haven't told him his family's gone. Well, is there any chance the boy might be down at the firehouse with his father? No, he seldom goes down there anymore. No, I don't think he's there. Uh, I'm awfully worried. May I call my husband? Certainly, go right ahead. I know George will be worried. Engine Company 12, please. Stanley's been gone too long. Hello? May I please speak with George Johnstone? This is Mrs. Johnstone. Thank you. Oh, I hate to call George at his work. Yes, ma'am. Uh, does your husband own a gun? Yes, he does. What caliber do you know? What's well, a 45 automatic. He got a knock. Uh, George, this is Ruth. Uh, George, is Stanley down there with you by any chance? Oh. No, I can't find him anywhere. He wasn't here when I came home from doing my shopping. There are two policemen here. No, I said there are two policemen here. No, dear, I'll call you if we don't find him soon. All right, dear. Yes, you too. Goodbye. I didn't think he'd be with George. At 45, is that the only gun in the household? Yes. Why are you asking about guns? Has anything happened that you're not telling me about? No, ma'am. Just routine checking. We'll have to take a look at that forty-five, if you don't mind. Maybe I should tell you we do have another gun in the house, but it's all wrapped up. George bought it for Stanley's Christmas present. What if we could see it, please? Yes, well... Will you have to unwrap it? Yes, ma'am. I'm afraid so. It's in the closet. Thank Thank you. Thank you. We had to hide it. Let me see. Well, here's the paper it was wrapped in. Stanley must have found it. Gone. You see, here's the gift card in the box the gun came in, the rifle. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I could look at that box, ma'am. Thanks. How about it, Joe? Twenty-two caliber. Thursday, December 22nd, 5.15 p.m. It was getting dark. The search for the missing boy continued. We checked the list of Stanley Johnstone's friends. None of them or their parents had any idea of his whereabouts. We talked with Levinson again. He'd been in touch with the detail combing the neighborhood. They'd found nothing. We went down to Collis Avenue and 10th Street, the service station on the corner. One nickel, you? Oh, I got one. Will you watch for Pam? Yeah. Okay. 
2667, please. 2667? Crime Lab Jones. Hi, Lee. Joe Friday. Yeah, Joe. Any Senator Johnson, kid? No, not yet. How are you coming? Finished the precipitant test. It's human blood. Yeah. Working on the blood group now. Do you know what type the Johnson boy has? Well, I didn't want to upset his mother. Thought I'd wait till the last thing we're in the neighborhood. Check with the family physician. That way you won't disturb it. Yeah, I figured on that. Uh, just a minute, Lee. Yeah. Yeah, man. Most is pulled up. Okay. Uh, Fad Brown's out here now. I'll check you later, Lee, huh? All right, Joe. All right, bye. All right. Oh, this way, Joe. Gentlemen, how's it going? We just checked with Lee Jones. Yeah, I know. It's human blood. What do you think? We talked with the boy's mother, Mrs. Johnstone, found a gun missing. Yeah? Caliber's the same as the empty casing Levinson found. It's twenty-two. You said the gun was missing? Yeah, the Johnstones were going to give it to the boys a Christmas present. They had it hidden, but it's gone. Any idea who took it? Well, they left the Christmas wrapping behind. I think it was the kid. Twenty-two rifle, huh? Nine-year-old boy. When are they going to learn? First, it's carbide cannons on the 4th of July. The city issued ordinance after ordinance. A few thousand kids around the country had to lose their eyes, fingers, hands before the parents had give us their full cooperation to outlaw them. I know what you mean. Sure you do. You and every other cop in the country became a heavy's trying to clamp down on them. Tell us the same story. This time it's guns for Christmas. Well, I know what you're thinking, but we're not sure yet. Listen, Friday. There's a city ordinance against giving a gun to a kid. You know that. Yeah, I know that. There's a missing boy and a missing gun. There's blood on the ground and an empty shell. That's enough for me. Well, we're going to stay with it. Something's got to break. Yeah? And I hope it's not the hearts of that kid's parents. Hi, Chief. Been looking for you, Friday. What do you got, Harry? Found the gun. New twenty-two rifle. That's has been fired recently. Where'd you find it, Levinson? Back up there in that scrub oak behind the Johnstone house. Mrs. Johnstone identified it. Buckley took it down the crime lab. Thanks, Harry. Mrs. Johnstone okay? Pretty sick now. Doherty came up with something else. What's that? There's another one missing. An eight-year-old boy. 6.30 p.m. We talked with Officer Doherty about the other missing boy. He told us that his name was Stephen Moorheim, eight years old. His family had just moved into the neighborhood. It seemed that no one besides the Moorheim family knew that the boys played together. Mrs. Moorheim told us that Stephen told her that he was going out to play and that he'd be home by six o'clock for dinner. She told us that he was an unusually prompt boy and almost never overstayed his playtime. We got a description of the Moorheim boy and put out a missing broadcast. We called the Johnstone's family doctor. He told us that Stanley's blood was type O. At 7 p.m., we talked again with Mrs. John Moorheim. Are you sure Mrs. Johnstone doesn't know where the boys are? She has no idea, Mrs. Moorheim. Oh, this is terrible. Just awful. I feel there's more to this thing, something you're not telling me. Well, there's no use to upset you until we know a few things for sure. And you're holding back something. Well, no, please try not to worry, Miss Moorheim. There are certain things that we're going to have to ask you, routine questions in any kind of investigation. Is there anything else you want to know? Yes, ma'am. What is your boy's blood type? That's a funny question. Do you think anything's happened to him? Have you found him and you're not telling me? No, ma'am, we haven't found him. And we don't think anything's happened to him. His blood type? Yes, ma'am. I think I have it written down in Stevie's baby book. Yes, here it is. It's type O. Thank you. I wonder if I might use your phone? Yes, of course. It's in the hall. I'll be right back then. Okay. City Hall. Uh, 2667, please. 2667? 
I'm Lab. Thank you. All right. This is Joe Friday. Is Lee there? Just a minute, Joe. Take two, Lee. Right. Jones speaking. Checking back, Lee. Did you get the blood types on the two missing boys? Yeah, both type O. So are the stains, Joe. Type O. You are listening to Dragnet. Authentic stories of your police force in action. Millions heard it. Yet only 55 have written. Starting on Dragnet three months ago, on September 20th to be exact, Fatima made a special money-back offer to more than 10 million listeners. The results? Amazing. Millions heard it. Yet only 55 have written. If you smoke king-size cigarettes, listen to Fatima's famous offer. Buy a pack of Fatima's. Enjoy their extra mildness and superbly blended tobaccos. If you're not convinced Fatima is better than the king-size cigarette you're now smoking, just return the pack and the unsmoked Fatimas before January 1st, and we'll give you your money back plus postage. Fatima, Box 37, New York 1. Remember, thousands and thousands of Americans are switching to king-size Fatima, insisting on Fatima quality. So why wait? Switch to Fatima today. Look for the bright, sunny yellow pack. Buy Fatima. Best of all, king-size cigarettes. p.m. Thursday, December 22nd. Still no sign of either of the missing boys. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown went back to headquarters to direct the search from there. He dispatched another detail of 50 men to aid in the hunt for the missing youngsters. 8.30 p.m. was getting a little colder. The citrus growers were warned to expect a freeze. We went up the block to see Mrs. Johnstone. Her husband had quit work early and returned home. We talked with him for a while. He could tell us nothing more than we already knew. We still had not informed either of the families about the blood stains and the empty cartridge casing which had been discovered in the backyard of the Johnstone home. It was more than possible that they had a right to know about our findings, but Ben and I felt that there was no cause to add to the distress of the two families at this time. If the two missing boys were found alive and well, then the blood stains and the cartridge would be of no concern to the relieved parents. At 8.40 p.m., Ben and I left the Johnstone house and went to the home of Mr. and Mrs. John Morheim. Miss Morheim, you said your husband worked in a market? Yes, he telephoned about 15 minutes ago, said he's closing up right away. He'll be here any minute. Do wish Stevie would call, come home. It's so cold out tonight. All he had on was a thin cotton jacket. We'll try not to worry. We're doing everything we can. He'll be all right. Stevie's father's such a sensitive man. He and the boy are so close. I know he's terribly upset. Now, you're sure there's no place that you might have forgotten? Some place where the boy might be? No, no place. No. If anything's happened to the boy, it'll just kill John. No. You sit still. I'll get him this morning. Joe? Larry. The Johnstone kid, he's been found. He's home, Sergeant. He's come home. Thank God he's all right. Where's he been? Did he tell you? No. No, he didn't. His clothes are all dirty and he's acting strange. 
never seen him like this. How do you mean, Miss Johnson? Well, he just came to the front door and said, Hello, Mom. And he sat down in a chair and stared at the floor. Won't talk to his father or me. You mind if I talk to him? No, go ahead. I asked him about the little Moorheim boy, but he wouldn't tell me a thing. Where is he now? Right over there in the living room. Looks all right. Yes. Son. Son, this is a police officer. He wants to talk to you. Don't be afraid, dear. He only wants to ask you some questions. Son. You see, Sergeant? Stanley, look at me, son. Come on, youngster, get your head up there. That's better. You had your mother pretty worried, you know that. You want to tell us where you've been? We should try to get him to eat a little something. You hear that, son? Want something to eat? Stanley, there's another little boy up the studio who hasn't come home. You know where he is? His father and mother are worried about him, too. Just like your folks were. We're going to ask you to help us find him. I killed him. I killed Steve with the twenty-two. We were only playing, but I killed him. How do you know you killed him? Maybe he's only hurt now, isn't that it? No, he's dead. I know he's dead. The gun went off. I forgot we put bullets in there. Where is he, Stanley? I hit him. I was scared. I didn't want anybody to find him. Where did you hide him, son? In a cave up on the hill. I didn't mean it. He was my pal. Do you want to show us where, Stanley? Yes, I'll show you. Please, don't send me to jail. p.m. Thursday, December 22nd. Nine-year-old Stanley Johnstone led the way up the hill behind the backyard of his home. He showed us the wagon that he moved the body in. His father came along with us. About 50 feet from the crest of the hill, the boy pointed to a thicket of scrub oak. There we found a small cave holding the body of Stephen Morheim. There was a single bullet wound in his chest just below his heart. It was dead. We covered the body. Stanley, how did it happen? I knew my folks were going to give me the gun for Christmas. I knew where it was, and I got it. There was a box of bullets with it. Were you pointing the gun at Stephen, son? No, sir. No, sir, I wasn't. It was Steve's turn to play with it. I was chasing him. Tripped over that stump there, and he fell. Gun hit him in the stomach, and it went off. Well, why do you think you killed him if you're telling us the truth? I'm telling the truth. Honest, that's the truth. Well, I believe you, son, but why do you think you killed him? It was my gun. Stevie'd still be alive if I didn't go and get it. Should have waited till Christmas. It's all my fault. Well, where have you been all this time? In the cave with Steve. Well, what were you doing in there, son? I was praying. I was praying for God to make him alive again. After a thorough investigation, Ben and I were convinced that the shooting of Stephen Morheim was accidental. Lieutenant Lee Jones' findings substantiated the Johnstone boy's story even to the smallest detail. We put in a call to the coroner's office and we acquainted him with the facts. He designated a local mortuary to handle the body pending autopsy and granted us permission to remove the body to the Moorheim home. 
Mrs. Morhan collapsed. The family doctor was called. Ben and I sat in the living room to wait for John Morhan, the dead boy's father. Edith? Edith? Uh, Mr. Morhan? Yeah, you the police? Yes. Well, where's Edith? Where's my wife? Has my boy come home? You found him? Yes, sir. Well, where is he? Steve? Steve, eh? Where, where's Steve? He's hurt, isn't he? Yes, sir, yeah. Well, where is he? I want to see him. He's hurt bad, Mr. Morrow. Where is he? I want to see him. How bad? Pretty bad. He's dead. All right, if I go in. Yes, sir, if you want. Will you go with me? Sure. Don't make it any harder on yourself, Mr. Morgan. I want to see my boy. Mr. Morheim. Listen to me, son. We got you a lot of nice things for Christmas. Everything you wanted. I got you the three new cars for the train. That one with a searchlight on it really works, son. Got you that new switch you wanted. A lot more track. Oh, now you can have a big layout. And you know that new baseball mitt we saw? I got it for you. The cowboy outfit you want. I think that'd be a fine idea, son. 
move, Joe. You don't give a kid a gun for Christmas. The story you have just heard was true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On December 24th, 1948, a coroner's inquest was held in the county morgue, city and county of Los Angeles, state of California. In a moment, the results of that inquest. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, with just a weekend to complete your Christmas shopping, it's good to remember that the man who sells you your Fatimas, your neighborhood dealer, is conveniently nearby. Drop in. Do what I'm going to do. Buy Fatima and its smart holiday carton for Christmas gifts. And for yourself... Buy enough to last the long weekend. You'll be smoking and giving the best, because Fatima is the best of all king-size cigarettes. And now to all our friends, the retail dealers and wholesale distributors who sell Fatimas, and of course to all of you, Merry Christmas from Fatima and all of us on Dragnet. At the coroner's inquest, it was officially recorded that Stephen Morheim's death was the result of an accident. Stanley Johnstone was absolved of any legal responsibility for his friend's death. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all king-size cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Counter-Spy fights international intrigue next on NBC. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP.